when time is on your side, when you have the timing that you arrange and take control of that, you can do two or three things that are really powerful. One is cross-sell. So if you say to somebody, hey, we're all sold out of this one until October 10th, but I got this other thing that you might really like, that cross-sell is a logical thing to do. Hi folks, this is Michael Vesey from Amazing FBA, and today we're going to have another episode from our sister podcast, The E-Commerce Leaders, hosted by myself, Michael Vesey, and Jason Miles. I'm the Amazon guy and the Brit, and Jason is a Shopify fanboy and over in the West Coast of the States. If you want to find out more about the podcast, just go to theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, no gaps. Do you want to grow your business bigger and faster? A free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find missed golden opportunities. Now, I personally charge between $300 and $400 an hour for big projects, but this would be free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing at least a few thousand dollars a month in sales already. Just go to myamazonaudit.com and book a time that's m-y-a-m-a-z-o-n-a-u-d-i-t dot com there are three things that create pricing power which is the ability to raise your prices without customer resistance which i think is a kind of magic so in this podcast episode we're going to dive into those three things jason we're continuing our conversation based on your book pricing power and in today's episode we're going to cover principles five six and seven. So the three principles that fit together very nicely. So welcome back, man. Give us the first concept here. What's the first thing that creates that magical pricing power? We can raise our price and the customers will still buy at the same kind of level. Yeah, yeah. Well, happy to share the first idea. But I do like the idea of you referring to it as magical. There's, there's something just very special about businesses that can raise their prices without a lot of customer pushback. Obviously, we're doing this whole series on pricing because right now in the economy, inflation is raging. And the opportunity for us as e-commerce sellers is either to raise our prices and keep our margin somewhat intact, or if our cost structure hasn't increased at all, it's really an open season to raise prices because everyone else, if you will. And and the operators who have the ability to do that are going to benefit tremendously and retain their margins and add new value to their business. And the opportunity to do that is, is a challenging one. So, of course, that's why we're doing this conversation. So the first thing that I wanted to mention that creates pricing power in sort of a special way is the concept of pre-selling. And pre-selling is the opportunity to telegraph your punches, if you will, to your customers, let people know ahead of time what you're going to be offering in the future. And the more anticipation, the more buildup of energy and enthusiasm people have towards that idea the better your outcome for pricing power. Those things are connected. And the recent idea that comes to my mind is Elon Musk launching the Cybertruck. He launched that thing literally years before it was ever gonna even be made. They just obviously had a prototype. The launch didn't even go that well. They broke the windows, if you remember, accidentally they were supposed to be bulletproof glass or something and they just threw rocks right through them. And, but nonetheless, he was pre-selling the Cybertruck and you could sign up, I think for a thousand dollar deposit. And it has just an extraordinary number of people who have already said, yep, I want one. And they don't even know what the final price will be. I'm like, it didn't matter. (laughs) And so that's very interesting when you think about it, like years before the products out there, the price is not announced 
and yet he's pre-sold. I don't remember the exact number. Maybe we can Google it while we're talking here, but it's a huge number of people who have said yes, please, to that. And that's an example of pre-selling and how pre-selling can create pricing power. So this is the first idea we wanted to talk about and really dig into a little bit here. So tell me a bit more about the there's obviously a kind of magic in it when you get it right. So Elon Musk, the other famous example is Steve Jobs, of course, with the latest iPhone or iPad or anything, really. He was absolutely master at this whole thing of creating lines out the door for the latest iPhone. But is pre-selling mostly about that kind of level of crazy buzz creation or, or break it down? What sort of other ways can it show up or can we implement it? Well, I think there's opportunity here. Charlie Munger has talked about businesses that have the ability to raise their prices that they don't ever tap into or don't ever use. So, so some businesses, some e-commerce companies can literally raise their prices and there's no drama, no pushback, and they just haven't done it. So they haven't done the pricing adjustments work. And you want to think through that for yourself. And if you're in a position where you're like, I'm going to have a hard time doing this, then pre-selling is one strategy. And the details that go into it, to your question, there are a few things that go into it that really make it stand out as an opportunity. The anticipation of a new thing coming out. The other thing that goes into it is, or way to organize it is to think in terms of product suites or product lines. Movies are classic at this. The first Marvel movie, Iron Man, the, in the modern era, Iron Man, Tony Stark came out. It was cool, but it was like people didn't know what to expect. But when Iron Man 2 came out, it was like the trailer for that one was just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a massive blockbuster. And then the, they created the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU. All of that was a product suite or a product collection, an integrated product concept, so that the second one had more pricing power and more built-in anticipation than the first one did. And you can stack your products in a similar way. When you stack your products like that, you really create the opportunity for a price point that customers will not have an anticipated fixed number for or estimation of or expectation of. They'll say, I want this new thing. I can't wait for it to come out. I'm going to get in line. I'm going to get on the list. I'm going to get ready. And if you say to them, do you know exactly how much it's going to cost? I'm like, I don't know. I don't care. So think in terms of product suites, I think is one primary way in which to, to build in this pre-selling concept. The other thing that you can do is launch strategies. Pre-launches are really good at doing pricing power by pre-selling. The launch strategy Elon Musk did with the Cybertruck, everyone remembers. The lights are flashing, the truck comes out, looks really super like weird and different. Everyone has that fixed in their mind. That was a launch event for his new product. He didn't just send out a little email with a little press release that said Cybertruck will be coming out in 2020, whatever. He didn't do that low key version. He went all in on a product launch and that creates pricing power. So there you go. There are a couple more ideas as it relates to how to build this into your e-commerce business. Great. Do you think then for the average person, that's a very difficult concept. What the heck is average these days? But for somebody yeah. who's a yeah. small business owner, they're not Elon Musk, they're not Steve Jobs, both of whom had spent years getting to the point where they could build that kind of buzz. So a couple of decades in, mm -hmm. in both cases, probably then how do we do a version of this kind of buzz building on a human scale budget? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think technically for Amazon sellers or for Shopify sellers, you want to rig it up so that there's pre-orders allowed. Like in Shopify specifically, you want to have your product set up so that people can pre-order it. That's a technical step. 
you, you want to organize it. In a Kindle's books, you can do this on really well on on Amazon. Michael, can you do launches for regular private label products like that, where it's a pre-launch date that's announced? It's a very good question. I've never come across that strategy. It doesn't mean it can't be done. If you can do it on Kindle, then yeah, yeah I guess it works slightly differently. I put it this way, there's yeah. no reason why you can't do some of that if you've spent time building an email list or uh, mm -hmm. Instagram following or whatever, or all of the yeah. above, that you can't yeah. be building anticipation. But I guess if you could pre-launch it on Amazon, then that would be more powerful. So it's a good question. I'll have to go and investigate. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a tried and true strategy for books. I actually have a new book coming out. This is a shameless plug, but Shopify Power is, uh, is coming out on the 12th of August. If you're listening to this live, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's only available for pre-order right now. And as it happens, it, that's the way it's rigged up. And I'm eating my own dog food here, as they say. I'm eating my own cooking. And in the, uh, in the you know, Amazon shop, if you just search for Shopify Power, or if you search for uh, Jason Miles, by the time you hear this, if you're listening on podcasts, it'll already be out. It won't be in the pre-sale phase. But there you go. That's an example. Let me mention a couple other things before we move on from this topic, because I think there's a lot here to explore. There's another couple of ways to do pre-selling that creates really strong pricing power. And I want to make sure we talk about them. One is gift cards. Gift cards are a very underutilized asset for Shopify store owners. And I want to just take people through the logic steps here for a moment. When you create a gift card or you've received gift cards before, obviously we all have, what you're getting is free money. And when you get free money, you shop very differently than when you use your own hard-earned dollars. And uh, it's an interesting concept. And so if you get a gift card, you don't care what something costs as much as if you're using your own money. And it really does unlock pricing power. And so the more you lean into gift cards and gift cards being purchased for people for their birthdays, for you know, Christmas time or special occasions, the more you have that in your marketing system, the more money flows through your system that's gift card money, the less strict people will be about price points and about their concern over your, the cost of the product. And Shopify owners generally just don't think about that very much, but it is an absolute a huge benefit to the system to be able to set up gift cards like and allow people to buy them on behalf of somebody whose birthday party's coming up or whatever. That's really fascinating. When I've always been given, I remember back in the day, my grandparents used to give me bookmark, uh, book gift cards or Waterstones vouchers or stuff like that, because I mm -hmm. guess it means you don't have to think so much about exactly what somebody wants. But also mm -hmm. what's interesting about it is yep. that you've engineered price insensitivity because it's spending somebody else's money for the person receiving the mm -hmm. gift card. So the prices of individual items are less sensitive, profitable potentially, but also for the person giving the gift card because it's a birthday or Christmas or whatever it is, you don't want to be seen as mean. So there's a degree of it's not so much price insensitivity as price sensitivity vying with sort of social perception, which always fascinates with the gift market. So I think there are two interesting dynamics at play there. It always mm -hmm. fascinates me with this gift thing. Yeah, I totally agree. And and it's a joyful thing too. When people come into your store, your Shopify store to buy with a gift card, they're just on a like a buying like high. Oh, I, I just get to get something. And it's really interesting, the psychology there. And I think the, the thing about the whole pre-selling thing is there's a lot of psychology under 
undergirding all of this. There are elements that create pre-selling pricing power, in my view. And some of them, I mentioned anticipation already, but some of them are things like, and trust. People, trust, I think, creates pricing power or you know, and the ability to pre-sell. If, you, if people really trust a brand, then they're going to say, I don't know what this is going to be like exactly, and I don't know how much it's going to cost, but I'm going to put my name on the list because I know it's going to be good. And that degree of trust, we just there are some brands where you just say, hey, whatever these guys put out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get because I like it and I know it's going to be good. And I think that shouldn't be underemphasized. It shouldn't be overlooked. Once I pick an author, I don't know whoever it is, J.K. Rowling is the one that comes to my mind. Once she did her first or second book, the third book is, oh, it's a foregone conclusion. It's going to be you know, good. And that, that idea of built-in trust and anticipation of the new product coming out, I think is central to the thesis of creating pre-selling energy and pre-selling pricing power. Yeah. yeah, I like that. It's, it feels to me that branding power slash trust and pricing are two sides of the same coin. A another way mm -hmm. I might put it is your ability to your pricing power, in other words, raising the price without customer resistance increasing, at least not proportionately, is a test of your branding, right? So if you try and raise your price and you can't, I guess what you've discovered is people don't really particularly trust or like you that much. It's yeah. just a hard realization. And I think people who sell yeah. on Amazon get mm -hmm. very numbers driven and they forget mm -hmm. there's a psychological component because you don't see it so much because you don't get yeah. to interact with customers. And I think that's a kind of wake up call, isn't it? If you can see that sort of thing. Yeah, it really is. And it's for us you know, on Pixie Fair, we have about 130 brands and you can just see people who have built trust in their customers over time. And when their new thing comes out, their new t thing crushes it. And it's really fascinating how it works. And we, you're right. We don't think about it that way so much when we're on Amazon because we feel like we're competing against a million other things and a million other competitors. And it feels commoditized. But the truth is, if you do have a brand that people know and recognize and, and, and trust, then then you're not dealing with a commoditized situation. You're launching a product associated with them knowing who you are. And the, so those are central ideas. And I think it's really important for us to realize that and think about it as we think about how could we possibly pre-sell. Nice. So pre-selling is one really powerful tactic or indeed strategic consideration, but there's more. So what's yeah. the second yeah. thing that creates pricing power, would you say, from experience? Yeah, the second one is really interesting as well. And I think we'll all resonate with this one. It is timing. Timing creates pricing power. And all of us think through times where we like, oh, of course, that makes sense. You sell Halloween costumes before Halloween. Uh, you sell turkeys in the US <laughs> the week before Thanksgiving. I don't know in, in England if there's such a thing that we could say as an example, but you get my point. Timing things, for such yeah. things. Yeah. Time, time that's similar the, in that's similar in the US. And the only thing we have in the US, you, you have Thanksgiving. We don't bother thanking anyone for saving ourselves <laughs> in seventeenth know, century, but we have Guy Fawkes Night Wallace, when we celebrate. <laughs> no, we have November the fifth, which is a unique thing to Britain, which is when we celebrate the fact that the Parliament did not get blown up. Um, and we right, celebrate Fox, by eh? blowing up a lot of fire fireworks. So if you sell fireworks yeah. or baked yeah. potatoes or that kind of thing at that time of year, maybe mittens or gloves, it's a very good thing. Yeah. Anyway, total side thing. I was going to ask about this. Is it only linked to occasions? Do you think is it really a seasonal calendar thing or is it deeper than that? Is there other things that you can do to affect, use timing as a lever to get better pricing? I think it's way deeper than that. I think there's 
first of all, I think there's a lot of granularity you can impose into this, just the general seasonality of things. And retailers, especially fashion retailers, that kind of thing, they're really dialed in on this. Back to school, as we record this, is a hot marketing concept. And the back to school marketers always do a great job in July, August, September, whatever, to, to really push that. There's a lot of granularity, even in social media. People have used the meme version of this where they would say it's, it's national like kitten day or national dog day. And you ask yourself, well, what are they doing? They're just using a date on the calendar to try to promote their item. Those are real weak kind of meme extensions of the idea, but the real big ones are obviously Q4, Christmas time shopping, those kinds of ideas. But there are other things that go into this as well. Hobbyists preparing for a project is an example I put in the, the book. They're on their own timeline. And I think the main thing that you, what you want to think about is many customers are on their own timeline for a project. And if you're selling to them in that moment, in their space, in their mind, they're less price sensitive. If, they, if you have to build a new fence in your backyard this Saturday, because that's the time you have to do it, you're going to buy your stuff and you're going to make that happen. And the time bound nature of the activity is something that eliminates price sensitivity. Your car breaks down, you've got to get your clutch fixed or whatever. You have to have your car done by two days from now. You're not going to be price sensitive. These time-bound ideas in the mind and life of the customer, I think are really important for us to think about as marketers. If we have any product that plays into the life cycle of a hobbyist or someone who's trying to finish a project with urgency, we need to think through how to market that effectively. And that is different than something that's just not time-bound in any way. And I think that's something for each of us as individuals to just ask ourselves that question. Is my customer operating on a time-bound deadline? And do I have pricing power because of it? How do I express that? What is that timeline? How do I connect those dots so that I'm not in the position of selling to the wrong person at the wrong time with a desperation price point, uh, which is obviously the huge mistake. I think you've made a, a really fascinating point there. So people have their very individualized timelines. I could see why as retailers, we get obsessed with seasonal sort of holidays because they're a heck of a lot easier to plan for. Whereas trying to find somebody at the point where they're hot for our products is tricky. But I think, as you say, it's a very worthwhile thing to do. And I guess it's bottom of the funnel search terms, which would be in, in, included in Amazon as a search engine. Obviously, YouTube, if you have products on there, I know they're mm -hmm. pluggable as a company that sells mm -hmm. primarily via Amazon. But there's mm -hmm. does an amazing job with YouTube videos, probably partly because if you can't plug an electrical item into another one, you're getting very mm -hmm. frustrated. If you can get the answer quickly and their product is the answer, that's really smart. Google, obviously. The other thing that strikes me is to bring the psychology into this. I used to work for an NLP trainer who went on to become a bit of a demon sales and marketing guy. And he talks about buying states. When you've ramped somebody up or they've ramped uh -huh. themselves into a buying state, you want to make sure you catch them because that can last for quite a short window. And in that window, it may be very price insensitive. And that's why, you know, what, another thing he used to say is a buyer is a buyer. So when somebody's buying something to try and upsell them, downsell, cross-sell, it's very smart. But to broaden that slightly, trying to find people in that sort of purple patch strikes me as a really yeah. critical but quite tricky thing as well. Have you got any thoughts of how to actually achieve that? It's a great comment. It's a great phrasing. And that buying, buying frenzy idea, I think we're talking the same language here. There is a very easy way to determine that. In fact, there's brain dead simple way to capture that. And I know it might like, this might be 
a weird way to express all these ideas, but let me just express it this way. When people use Google search for a product related to something they're trying to solve for, they're in that buying moment. Google text ads to us have always been the best paid ad we could ever offer or ever put out. Facebook ads have never performed as well for us as Google ads are what I like to, I call Facebook interruption marketing when you do ads on Facebook and Google ads, especially text-based ads are demand response marketing. It's the person is saying, where do I buy a tent? That is the perfect moment to introduce your tent to that person. And those Google searches happen by the billions or hundreds of billions or whatever every day for in, in mass and for specific key phrases, they happen a lot. And those are the opportunities to think through. When someone searches for the phrase related to my product, am I Johnny on the spot with an offer? And it's as simple as that sometimes. And, and I know it sounds like oversimplistic, but a lot of Shopify store owners don't have their Google text-based ad set up for key phrases that make sense for them. And that is just a massive mistake because you literally are just feeding the hungry crowd, as they say. You're just fulfilling demand. You're not generating it. You're not trying to beat the drum to create energy around an idea for your product. You're just saying to people who want something that you've got, here it is, and I've got a special promotion or I'll cover shipping or whatever your deal is. That's a very straightforward way to step into the moment where people are in that buying frenzy, that, that idea of the hunger to get something accomplished. And they, all of this is under the time-bound nature of the consumer mindset, I think. Yeah. Interesting that I think this might be leading us to your next principle really, but the, as an Amazon seller, on the one hand, we're used to the luxury, unlike people who use Google as a marketing channel, let alone Facebook, of having people who are at the bottom of the funnel. In other words, I go to mm -hmm. Amazon frequently, but I don't go there to browse. My wife maybe does, I don't know, but I go there to buy. And I'm often in a hurry, and I know that Amazon will deliver next day, and it's very reliable, and it has a big variety of stuff. So in a way, we're, if you're running ads on Amazon particularly, you're very much taking advantage of what you said already. That's right. But the disadvantage, of course, we have is that Amazon has always said publicly and very consistently acted on the idea that consumers want bigger choices, lower prices, and faster delivery. Apart from the faster mm -hmm. delivery, those two things are very bad news for us as, as sellers. So tell me a bit more about your third principle, and I suspect it, it, it ties into this thing as well. well I just want to mention one other concept for the time-bound nature of pre-selling before we go into idea number three. And, and that is a very interesting idea, which is actually we just expressed the urgency in the mind of the consumer and how you want to step into the moment in the right way. But there's a whole other universe of ideas related to the time creating pricing power. And that is you control the time. And this is a very important pricing power principle. When time is on your side, you have pricing power. And let me explain what I mean by that. Imagine, if you will, that you say to all your customers, we're sold out. And uh, if you want to sign up for our waiting list, once our container gets in from China or whatever it is, we'll put everything back on sale. And if you have a waiting list of people who say, yes, I, I want that product when it comes in, you just took control of the time. And that is incredibly powerful for these ideas of pricing power. So I, I think there's two sides to this. Stepping into the moment when the customer has the pricing uh, or, or when has the timing urgency. And then there's you taking control of the time. You can be out of stock and have a pre get back in stock list 
uh, there's apps for that back in stock app. You can also do other things. Running an auction is taking control of the timing and holding a special selling event is taking control of the timing, producing in small batches deliberately saying, Hey, we only make 50 of these. And if you want one, you need to go buy it. All of those things are taking control of the time. Macy's in the U.S. always is a department store. They always do a twice yearly sale. And people know that in the mind of the consumer, that's the only time they're going to put stuff on discount. And they like in their cosmetic counter, they'll do a they'll give you a free gift because it's their twice annual sale or whatever. Those ideas are all designed to take timing into your own hands as the seller. And that is a really important thing to think through to really control the opportunity to have pricing power. Yeah, I love it. And uh, I think that's something Amazon's so geared to serving customers. And if you sell on Amazon, it's your main mm-hmm. experience of e-commerce, which mm-hmm. is my main experience yeah. that yeah. we get caught it up counters in the yeah, opposite idea. Isn't it? Yeah, it's like actually withholding stock feels weird and different, but actually it makes total sense. It's pricing actually, power, supply and demand. Yeah. Alex Hormozzi's got a very interesting one. I'm just looking for the book that I've got around $100 million offers. Mm. Fascinating book. Mm. One of the things yeah. he talks about to maintain profit power as mm-hmm. opposed to just driving revenue is that if you think you can sell 10 of, it tends to deal with high-end offers, which is a mm-hmm. little bit different from a $20 widget on Amazon. But nevertheless, if you think you can yep. sell 10 high-end training courses or whatever, he works with gym owners a lot or used to, then make five available at a higher price and make sure they sell out. And next time you'll sell six. But And this is the crucial thing, at the higher price because people want what you've got because they can't have it. And this is the number one psychological principle. We want what we can't have. So I really like it. And inherent in that is what I just described a moment ago, which is you control the timing. Yes. When you control the timing, you control the pricing power. And that is, he didn't quite say that explicitly. He's just doing about supply and demand. But the underlying first principle is when you control supply, you control pricing power. And if there's pent up demand, those two things go together naturally. I think that's very fascinating thing to think through as, as a seller, because imagine going on Amazon, you're right. And saying, these are only available on September 1st. And I only have a hundred of them and they'll ship in six months. And because that's what some people have been doing in the last two years. Oh, COVID? Yeah, we can't ship for six months. How much is it going to cost? Oh, it'll probably be double or triple. Hmm. Okay, guess we're paying that. So I'm not saying you want to do, you want to engineer like misery on people at all. But I am saying that you don't want to be victimized in the grand scheme of things as a seller. And you want to figure out the ways in which you can have fair game, serve people well, have a price point that can can survive on. And these are the ideas. So I'm not suggesting we go brutal and be corrupt or anything in this, but I am saying that there's psychology involved and it's important to think through with the power you have in the process of putting goods on offer. Yeah, I really like this. And the other way I would flip this on its head just because of the reality I'm seeing on the ground with a lot of the people who import from China, there's a lot of rolling lockdowns in China. Officially, it doesn't have a national lockdown, but unofficially, they've got Mm -hmm. rolling lockdowns because of their zero COVID, what do you call it, zero COVID policy. And apparently, Mm -hmm. Chairman Xi said that was going to stay in place until, drumroll, 2027 as the official policy. And they don't wow. have a vaccine that works. So my personal take on this, and I'm not alone in this, Peter Zion, who knows That's a lot more about this stuff, means they're going to have a lot of supply shortages for a long time for China. Now, yeah. that's bad news in some ways. But if you flip your business model and say, instead of constantly stressing about making stock available, we yeah. have to work with the reality that stock isn't very available and use mm-hmm. that 
to to your point to create scarcity it's there already but to manage the scarcity mm -hmm. elegantly yeah. and as you say not to deprive people of goods they need but to yeah. manage it elegantly to maximize profits without being yeah. price gouging yeah. then that strikes me as what you're talking about is really of the moment and that we're going to have to get good yeah. at this anyway so we might as well embrace yeah. this whole psychology so i'm loving this man i know you've got to head off we've got the third principle we're going to have to keep yeah, we're hanging talking about time scarcity this is genuine scarcity folks <laughs> I do have a hard stop. yeah no yeah. i do have a hard stop today so we're not going to cover the third principle until next week maybe but i want to just mention yeah. a couple things and that is before we wrap up on this second idea which is timing creates pricing power when time is on your side when you have the the timing that, that you arrange then you and take control of that, you can do two or three things that are really powerful. One is cross sell. So if you say to somebody, hey, we're all sold out of this one until October 10th, but I got this other thing that you might really like, that cross sell is a logical thing to do. The other thing you can do is upsell or you can escalate people's queue. You can say to people, if, if it's logical and it makes sense, you can give people a fast pass. You can say something like, we don't have this item that you wanted, but we got the ultra premium edition still available and it's a quite a bit more, but it's still in stock. That upsell, that's totally logical. We don't have the, the standard edition. We've only got the luxury edition. That makes perfect sense. The third thing you can do is you can consider things like recurring payments or even layaway program. If you say, hey, this product isn't available until September 15th, but you can get on the list and you can do layaway and make sure you get one. It will take your slot. That's what Elon Musk did with Cybertruck. The deposit ahead. Of, I don't recall how much money they've collected in deposits for Cybertruck, but it's not a small number. And that is cash flow. That's just cash that they have. So these, there's real deep water under these ideas that I want to make sure people really get into and think through as they're working on their pricing strategies. So anyway, yeah, to your point, Michael, we can't cover the third idea today, but it's a really powerful one as well. Probably the most powerful of the three. And I'm not trying to make a tease for next week, but <laughs> this third idea is really the heart and soul of a lot of e-commerce work is wrapped up in this idea we'll talk about next week, which is this third way to create pricing power. Love it. That's a perfect example of genuine scarcity because you have got to go. I know that. But yeah. just a couple of things to say. First of all, folks, as you can tell, Deep Waters thought through by the master of thinking this stuff through in a very practical way for e-commerce sellers. So it's pricing power. Jason G. Miles is what you'll find Jason under on Amazon. So go get the book because, as you can tell, this is really powerful stuff. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show. We're seeing our Spotify followers are growing like that. So every week it seems to be going up so come and join the party on spotify or apple and don't forget to give us the love by using part of the follow button give us a rating out of five stars and we'd be really grateful uh jason thank you so much man really fascinating to dive into stuff as ever you have a great business brain i really enjoy this stuff it's good fun good times man see you soon do you want to grow your business bigger and faster a free audit of your Amazon business can help you see and avoid threats and find missed golden opportunities. Now, I personally charge between $300 and $400 an hour for big projects, but this would be free. You can be a reseller or a brand owner. All I ask is that you're doing at least a few thousand dollars a month in sales already. Just go to myamazonaudit.com and book a time that's m-y-a-m-a-z-o-n-a-u-d-i-t dot com <laughs>